Across the Park podcast is proud to be sponsored by Globe Gas and Heating. For the best kitchen and bathroom renovations, boiler servicing and repair, and central and underfloor heating in the Northwest, head over to globecentralheating.com and quote Across the Park for a free quote. Hello everyone, welcome back to the Across the Park podcast. And boy, have we got a special for you today. Um, we've always said from the, the start of when we first introduced the podcast and we brought it to your screens and, and for anyone who's followed us for, from day one, we try our best to get Evertonians on as much as possible to get different voices, to get different perspectives, different stories. Um, obviously, there's one huge um, story and, and a huge narrative that's following the club around at the moment. It, it could be argued that it's probably the most critical era in the club's recent history in terms of the uh, the battle that we're facing and I'm delighted to to, to bring on to the show today a, a recently acquired friend of mine I think it's fair to say we we, we shared some time uh, over the early season watched it watched the game together well be honest about it Gary I emptied your fridge of Estrella didn't I with my, with my son <laughs> I, I was going to allow you to say that but yeah listen um, again delighted to be joined by um, Greater, Greater Manchester Mayor um, Vice Honorary Vice President of Lee Centurions, is that, that correct, Andy? It is, yes. And, yeah, and, and, of, and, of, and of course, massive Evertonian, Mr Andy Burnham. Andy, cheers for joining us. You're welcome, mate. So so again, a, a, a little bit of a joke there. Me, me, myself and Andy met at the at the start of the season in, in Spain and we, we managed to watch an Everton game together, got chatting. I've been casing him since then to try and get him on the show. And to be fair, I think that the delay, if you like, worked in our favour because I don't think we could have got you on at a better time. And I do really appreciate you you giving us our giving us your time, Andy. So without further ado, I just want to start on a, a bit more of a lighter note. I think most people who are tuning into this podcast are tuning in for one big reason and to get your opinion on recent events. However, I just want to get, give a bit of context to your, I guess, your affinity with the club or affinity to the club. Um, talk to us a little bit about you know Andrew Burnham growing up as a as a youngster. How did you get the Everton bug, um, as it were, and 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 what does Everton mean to you? I guess to this current day in your life, uh, I don't think it was a you know a virus that I caught. It was baked into <laughs> the DNA. It was no choice. Uh, so both of my sides uh, of my family, Evertonians all the way back. So um, steeped in it, really. I, you know, I, I can't even remember any anything anything else. Um, <clears throat> Went to Goodison in the early 70s for the first time. It would have been sort of 72, 73. Um, my Joe Royal, I think, was my first. Well, it, I was quite young at the time when Joe was playing, so I just about have a memory of a memory of that. Um, <clears throat> born in the Old Rome, but my dad got a job in Manchester when I was one, so kind of you know moved moved halfway in in that direction. But you know, uh, we weren't just Evertonians; we were match-going Evertonians. Me, my two brothers. Uh, my cousins, you know, as I say, whole family endeavor, whole family enterprise. This over a long, uh, <laughs> long period of of time, you know, go, going right back actually. My great grandfather, take get this one, Gary. Um, he um, was a private in the King's Liverpool Regiment, fought in the First World War. His last visit home went to Goodison, um, wow. back to his home on Scotland Road, and they were doing Irish dancing in the front room. Um, he had a big thing about Ireland being criticised 
for not doing their, enough in the war. And he was a massive sort of uh, you know, arguing, saying they are, you know, they're, they're out there. And uh, sadly, died as a prisoner of war in the, in the First World War. But just gives you a flavour of how much this wow. how much this goes back, basically, uh, in in the family. So yeah, growing up, Bob Lashford was my first big hero. <clears throat> um, but then, obviously, as the seventies became the eighties. Imagine being a teenager when oh, don't. Uh, we were bossing it. Yeah, well, uh, I saw it all. Uh, we went to it all home and away through the 1980s. I've got the photos alongside the cups. <laughs> Goodison used to have this funny this because, you know, we we were members of the family club in the early 80s. And in 84... What's the family club? Well, it was, it was like... It, 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 I don't know. I don't fully remember, but it was like it got you certain access to tickets and things and, it's a bit like a member like a membership type yeah you know, the, yeah it wasn't the family enclosure as such it just was a family club you know you, you got certain yeah. sort of opportunities to do things we always Gladys Street all the way as people who go in the street and know you know with me and my brothers and my dad and everybody that's where we've always been in exactly the same place I have to say even when it was standing we're still in the same place as now it's seating um oh. but we got invited to Goodison eight summer of 84 um, we'd obviously won uh, the FA the FA Cup and um, FA Youth Cup as well. I think Charity Shield and, and uh, family photo in front of the three trophies and um, it, yeah, wow. fantastic. And then the next summer, it was it was a decent summer. Then <laughs> well, and I we always it's a standing joke in our house because the next summer we get this invite again, and we're driving down the East Langs on a Sunday morning to uh, to. Uh, to go to this and my mum is in the car said oh no is this going to happen every year that we have to do this <laughs> and we uh, often recall that conversation in the car <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah unfortunately not unfortunately not um but yeah no that that's really interesting i get look i thought that was important you know a, a lot of a lot of people will you know as you just said then a lot of fans who who, um, who are in the gladys sheet will have seen you week to week Maybe others wouldn't, and and obviously your your current your current role as 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 mayor of Greater Manchester means that you know that there's a a huge demand on your time. So just just briefly, how did do you still get a chance to go to the games, and and is that still a big part of your your family life? Yeah, uh, massive. Um, I've got a season ticket this year. Um, it hasn't always been the case, you know, with the way my life has been. I've always sometimes been doing spot tickets, uh, but this sure. year. I've I've uh, got a season ticket. It was my dad's actually. I've taken it over. So um, yeah, I mean, most of the last, well, even in my time in Parliament, I've been, you know, going out, you know, least ten home games a year, and you know, um, more in most. So yeah, and it's um, it's a big part of us, really. I mean, the thing about people who don't understand the match and everything it involves is it's not really about the football, is it? It's, it's an excuse no, to get no, together with your family in the pub and. The football yeah. intervenes for a brief period and sometimes takes the day in a, in a bad direction. But that gen <laughs> that's how we approach it. And we've just done it all of our lives. It's part of part of you know, I say the fabric of the family really, and the way we, the way we the way we work. So no, back with a season ticket and yeah, um, I say always always in the same same place of the ground. No, good to, good to hear, mate. Before we get on to the off the field matters, then just just obviously briefly touching on this season. What have been your, you know, your your feelings on the, you know, the, the performances on the pitch? And I guess the manager, the manager's had a tough job since he's come in, but how, how you felt he's dealt with that and, and you know, what, what are your feelings on the current playing squad? 
Yeah, well, you and I, we were just referencing, weren't we, the game we watched together mm. in in um, Mallorca in the summer. Um, that was a good performance, wasn't it? That Fulham game, mm. the first game of, of the season. Um, I just think it's it's spectacular what Sean has done. Um, I can remember this time last year, uh, I think it was the Southampton game. That was a pretty low point, that home game against yeah, yeah. Southampton. Well, and I remember being... Yeah, took two, yeah. wasn't it? And I, yeah. I remember, well, two goals he got, didn't he? And, and yeah. I remember being in the um, the Spello after the game and we kind of said, oh, what, what's happening here? My brother just said, it's got mm. to be Sean. And I think there was, it's one of those rare things where everyone just said, yeah, I think so. Um, and it kind of just, everyone just sort of felt, you know, that, that that had to be the case. What he did last season was miraculous, wasn't it? Given yeah, yeah. Where, where we were and coming in in that Arsenal game. I just, you know, that was... That win at Brighton, that, that yeah. win and the performance at Brighton was, was incredible, yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, obviously sort of seeing things in Decore and bringing him in and putting him centre stage and, you know, really uh, exceptional management, uh, I would say. And then this year, I think they've been consistent and good and, and playing better than we've seen for quite some, some time. Um, and, yeah, in the circumstances... Uh, Incredible. Given the, if you think about it this way, I mean, obviously, Villa last week, I think we probably all came away. The fact we're coming away disappointed from a game like that yeah, yeah, is yeah. a measure of the progress that Sean Dyche has made at Everton, isn't it? But we did come away a little disappointed, and I think it's been a long time that we've been going to the match thinking that we can get something out of everything. Now, I, I can't I remember that for quite a long time, actually. You know. I don't see games as being written off under Sean. I was at Wolves away actually over Christmas, and that was mm. probably the biggest disappointing disappointment I've seen. And you know, and every we get every club gets him, and, and there's no criticism of him. You know, it, it happens. Mm. But the fact that we're competitive in every game, we weren't in that one, but we have been pretty much in every other one. I think is a measure of our progress. And the fact that we're going to the match thinking we could and should possibly beat Villa at home is is yeah. I mean that that tells you. What, what he's achieved and, and the players as well to be fair you know they, they seem together don't they not so much oh, yeah. noises off as we've seen in the past they mm. seem engaged obviously there's some rumours about some of the players maybe heading elsewhere but I don't see that affecting their performances it seems like he's no. got a really good group and they're, they're bought in and that's great No I couldn't couldn't agree more mate. I've said it, said it on so many occasions I think the, 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 the great thing for me going to the game not on top of what you just said around us, us competing. It's just that I feel like I have, there's a bit of an affinity and a, a bit of a you know feeling of um, compassion and and um, understanding between the players and the fans yeah. for the first time. I feel like I'm buying into what he's doing. Yeah. As you say, there's a togetherness there on the pitch, you know, more than anything else. And, and yeah, I think that that's helped that's helped massively in this in this situation overall as well. I mean, I, I said Gary that you know I've not felt this for a while going to the match, and you know as much as I admire what David Moyes did at Everton, at times in his regime, I didn't feel like that. You know, there were games yeah, yeah. against the big clubs, certainly the away games, he just thought... Yeah, we got, nothing, a, yeah. We got our belly tickled, didn't we, a few times? Yeah, and so, you know, I, I just don't see that with Sean. I, he doesn't seem yeah. to sort of have that about him. He, he, he seems to have this view that we can be competitive in every game. And I, and I do think that the, the emphasis on fitness, it's frustrating at times, isn't it, where he's won't play people and you think, oh, well, maybe mm. just take the chance. And he seems to have really iron rules about it, doesn't he? But Definitely. that actually is is a big part of it, isn't it? You know, just it seeing is. an Everton team, the, the, the amount of uh, you know, ground they're covering, the energy, the, yeah. you know, that, that is something we've not seen either. So, 
you couldn't i personally couldn't praise couldn't praise him enough um you know i, I just think it's incredible what he's what he's done he's a good fit for us um and i i, I remember tweeting earlier in the season get behind him and i really i really believe that get behind him and don't buy into this thing that he's i think there's one thing i would want to get over you know this thing that okay well we'll have him for now but you know no. when we're through these no definitely not you know you've been there before haven't we get behind him properly yeah. you know he's one of those managers that kind of you know we've got a media that likes to talk people down and you know they like mm. to put a label as though he's unsophisticated on him or something don't they i mean that's that's what they like to do and i yeah. think fine let them let them do that i you know i i uh i i think there's things these qualities he's brought to everton football club that we've not seen for a long long time yeah again just just before we move on i met with sean a, a couple of months ago at a, a doing an old traffic he was doing a talk there and had the pleasure of spending half an hour with him and I, I come away again just just being more and more confident that he's the man to take this club forward you know the way he was talking openly about the players about the you know his approach to every game about the fact that you know you know the preconceptions around the style of play his response was he just said you know what i want to win football matches i go into every game trying to come up with the best way of winning football matches he yep. said at certain times in my managerial career i only had one way of winning football matches because of what i had at my disposal he said, yeah. fortunately, he said, whether people believe it or not, we have actually got different ways of winning football matches at the moment at Everton. I think we've seen that, in fairness. So, yeah, yeah, I share your opinion on that. We definitely have. You know, people will know that I know Alistair Campbell and, and he was saying to me for years, he said, don't come and get him now, but one day you should make Ever uh, Sean Everton manager. You know, what, what he's doing at Burnley is incredible. People don't see it, he says, but I do and yeah. I know him and he's an incredible manager and you know the way he goes about things is just what you need and to be fair he did say that a long a long time ago and um i, I you know he, he, he is um he is right on that i think you know sean has absolutely you know brought something and, and i just think his mentality suits us as well i don't know i just yeah. you know like i like the way he approaches things and let's let's hope that we can we keep on building from here yeah, yeah, definitely a good fit. So anyway, on to the, uh, the the main topic, as it were, of the show. And, you know, I just want to kind of set the scene a little bit from your point of view. So, you know, when we first, you know, the charges were first laid upon Everton, the first set of charges, that is, and, and it, you know, it was announced that we were going to be deducted 10 points. What what was your initial as a fan reaction to that? And, you know, before we get into the, the nuts and bolts of what all this means, you know, from your point of view, what was your initial reaction to that? I was stunned. Absolutely stunned. Um, I, I couldn't actually uh, take it in at first, you know, that mm. I, I sort of, you know, still what I consider quite a technical breach. I mean, mm. I'd been aware that they'd opened up to them as well. Yeah. And I thought, well, clearly that, in my view, when I heard that, I thought, well, that's commended. Pardon? Should be commended. Well, I thought so. I thought, well, that, yeah. you know, my take on it was, and, you know, I know people can go through lots of things at the club, didn't get right but I I felt oh that's right you know as somebody who you know has had experience of regulation as a, mm. as a government minister um you know so I've had a huge amount of experience of regulation of various uh uh sectors that is a good principle that you say look we're worried about something you know here's our concern you know uh what can you advise you know that is just a good principle when it comes to regulation so to kind of have no recognition of that when it actually is a kind of technical breach isn't it you know where there's gray areas isn't there about 
the ground and the interest and all, you know, to, to kind of have none of that taken into account is, I say, it was, I found that quite, quite yeah. sort of breathtaking, really. Um, but when I've unpacked it more and more, as everyone has, I, the, you know, that's, that has turned to, um, uh, you know, a sort of a, a, an anger really about the way this club has, has been treated where I just need to say, where is the respect really? I mean, mm. you know, found a member of the football league, found a member of the premier league, you know, a club that has always to one degree or another embodied some of the good values in football around the way things should be done. Let's not get into say all the recent yeah, yeah. positions that we've been in, but just think of the long run, the club has embodied a good tradition, hasn't it? In English football, you know, um, competing, good spirit of the game in terms of the way you know, we've conducted ourselves off the pitch, often a kind of a class really with the way that they've you know, handled difficult issues like Hillsborough and the way that the, the club supported Liverpool through that. But, you know, other issues as well, you know, there's always been there for the sort of wider football community. I just thought, I just, you know, I, to, to, it's like there's people who are around now just have, don't see that that football began yeah. when the Premier League began, isn't it? That's the mentality that they're bringing to this, isn't it? And you know, this kind of kind of sense of oh well, they, they don't matter anymore. You know, it's like where I just do say, where is the respect? I don't see it. Yeah, no, it's, a, it's an interesting. It's, it's a very very good point. And from my point of view or my perspective, my you know limited understanding of judicial process, if you like, that's something that's always factors in. It's almost something that when the charges are read out, you know. We've considered Everton's track record, Everton's contribution to the Premier League, to football in general. That's almost the first line that comes out, isn't it? And before they start to, if you like, read out, you know, what, what the punishment is. So, yeah, I, I share that kind of condemnation. and, and brutal, isn't it? Around, it yeah. Brutal, sort of dismissive mm. of our arguments. I mean, for none of our arguments to be given really any weight, you know, surely there's some weight in the fact that a player is just removed from the books. Uh, you know, there must be some way in those arguments to yeah. it just dismissed. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, it, it kind of, you know, reflects something worrying about the way football's going though, doesn't it? You know, it's like, yeah. as I say, it's like this thing that, you know, it just annoys me always when you're talking about, um, you know, in Premier League history, X is the top goal scorer. Well, hang on a minute. You know, there was a lot of history before the Premier League, and I, mm. I just really dislike that sort of the, the, the way the game is talked about these days. Yeah, definitely. So, look, we're going to get into some specific questions. Um, as most people have seen who are tuning in, we did put a, um, a, a you know a, a request out for questions yesterday, and we got a we got a ton of questions in. Um, I have reworded some of them for the purpose of trying to create a bit of flow uh, here. But I want to start with, uh, I guess, you know the. The most recent charge, the second charge, and and the you know the the term that's going around a lot at the moment, which is a term that's used a lot in in you know in in law and in cases etc. And that's the the, the double double jeopardy double hmm, double jeopardy argument. So you know it's it's been it's been um, the, the the most recent charges are if you like a repeat of the previous charges in that they are re referencing years that we've already been punished yeah. for. Just yeah. explain again in layman's terms, if you don't mind, Andy, what what in your opinion that how the double jeopardy argument applies here, and, and what that should mean to the most recent charge. Well, that was a, a, a long-standing legal um, uh, principle, isn't it? That you know somebody stood trial in front of a jury uh, couldn't. 
be charged again for the same offence. Um, you know, you can't live always with a thing hanging over you. You, you know, can't be punished uh, twice um, for, for for the same thing. And it, you can't help but think that that applies here. Surely, you know, mm-hmm. are they saying that you know there could be another uh, another ten point penalty? Um, and you don't sort of add the two things. You, you almost are asking this new process not to even consider that there's another process going on at the same time. Is that mm. is that what they're saying that these are got to be dealt with entirely separately, as though there isn't a sort of an appeal happening at the same time? I mean, think about that from a legal point of view. You know, if somebody was to be charged again for something and they were still appealing it, you know, it it, it doesn't make sense, does it? I, it doesn't no. to me anyway. Um, you know, clearly there's one offence here, which is that the club's finances are out of kilter to some degree, aren't they? Because of, well, we would say, I would say, there's a whole range of reasons for that. But one is yeah. obviously building a stadium. It's a difficult thing to do, isn't it? Um, so that's the issue, isn't it? And I, I think what it reflects is um, a Premier League failure to have a clear regime in place with a clear way of doing it before it set off on all of this. That's that's the issue. There was not a kind of clear structure, is there, you know, transparent policy and a, a transparent sanctions regime. So before they then jumped into this, that wasn't there. So it, it, it leaves the feeling very strongly that they are to some degree making it up as it is happening. And we read now that they are going to change things again in, in the summer. There's a Premier League meeting apparently in February where they're going to discuss greater alignment with UEFA, which begs the question, you know, is this what's happening to us kind of just a one-off that will never, you know, new rules and, you know, honestly, where, you know, where is the fairness in in that? You know, where is the sort of consistency? I, I honestly don't see it at all. Um, and hence uh, the level of... Um, of of challenge that the Premier League are the Premier League are, are getting and, and and rightly so. Thanks, Andy. And, and let's be clear. And I'm, I'm moving through the questions, but also making points as I go. Um, people seem to be be forgetting. I think in the, in the wider media, I guess that Everton's fight, as you you said at the start of your piece before, it's not us saying we're we're not guilty here. But the the arguments certainly in the first case of the ten points is. The disproportionality of the punishment itself, um, and as you just said, due to the lack of process from the Premier League, from a fan point of view, and, and a, you know, and, and you include yourself in this as a fan, how do we continue to to to, to spread that message? I think we um, continue to to make our arguments because there's a lot here that hasn't been aired properly. You know, I I do again feel that the whole thing isn't being handled properly. Also from a media point of view, I'm not necessarily going to go make this a media issue, but I don't think we're getting the coverage that we should for an issue that actually affects all football supporters as Forest fans have now found out. You know, the idea that, oh, this is just, let, this isn't important, this isn't significant. And you know, people will know I did an interview on the pitch for Sky Sports News on the day when I sent my first letter to the Premier League, challenging a lot of what was in, you know, what was in at the, that point in the public domain. And that interview never aired, you know, and 
I, I don't. They've never said to me why they didn't use an interview. I've never had that as a politician. I know you know you would never give an interview to a broadcaster, and it just never appears. I, I, I've never. It's never happened. So without without any acknowledgement from them to say, look, Andy, you know, this has happened. That's happened. That that is bizarre, isn't it? It's really, honestly, really bizarre because it's not. You know, you give an interviewer 10, 15 minutes of your time. You know, you, you're not doing that in the hope for the broadcaster. You're doing it in the firm expectation. Yeah. That they will, and that's mm. basically how it is always is. And to be fair, broadcasters always, always use things. I, 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 I let me say this. I mean, I, I heard that they were asked this in a certain forum and said, "Oh well, kind of news values changed on the day, and um, it, you know, the, the, the news agenda moved on, and other things were happening." I, honestly, I just don't buy that. Um, to say that this isn't a massive issue that needs a proper discussion and, and debate uh, and that there are other things happening, I don't buy it personally. Um, I, I do think uh, pressure was applied for the interview not to be broadcast. And I think this does then raise the, the question of the Premier League's fitness to regulate because it has a relationship with broadcasters. Mm. Um, it was in the middle of a rights um, uh, negotiation at the time of this interview. And that that actually is an issue to me. Um, and I think it's an issue that needs to be debated in Parliament when the, the football governance bill arrives. Because, and I know, I mean, I just know from that day, because I was at the match that day. And I know from journalists who were contacting me what, was being said in response to my letter by the Premier League, the briefing that was being given, some of it inaccurate. So I know actually how they operate at times. And I, I just, I, it, that's not healthy. You know, this, I don't think myself, this issue has had the media airing that it should have had. I think people are being tentative about it. They're pulling back. They're not discussing it. You know, look at the extent to which VAR issues are covered, but then they don't cover yeah, this. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I, I'm not going to, make it go further than that Gary but I, I I think there is an important point here um I you know I don't think it's been properly covered hence it's been important for yourselves and that's why I'm glad to be on uh, today you know other podcasts and I think we're lucky as blues to have a lot of really good podcasts and I try and uh, try and support them um, support them all um um so you know I'm I'm Sorry, I just had something flashed up on my computer there. I'm, I'm, um, I, I'm definitely of the view that the, the understanding of the issues isn't out there yet, and we need to get that out there. Um, and th that is still work in progress. Um, so, uh, yeah, I think there's, uh, there's a really serious point here. No, and, and, and just briefly, and probably not the right way to say in your defence, but it's, it's fair to say there's been some criticism of your involvement, the way you spoke up in, during this process. But let's be clear here, going back to your point there, this is a society issue, isn't it? it you know, is. it's, it's the kind of whole term of if you tolerate this, dot, 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 dot. You know what I mean? How far do we allow this to go? 100%. Um, yeah, I, you know, politicians, I, I, you know, I've been around long enough and, and I, you know, take criticism on the chin where it's justified. And, and you know, people have said, well, hang on a minute. Why is the mayor of Greater Manchester getting involved in this? Well, firstly, there's a lot of Evertonians that live in uh, Greater yeah, Manchester, yeah. but there's also a lot of genuine football supporters who, to be honest, are not the ones who'll be shouting the odds on X or whatever it is. You know, they're the ones who will be saying, "No, there's is there are issues here." 
Um, and they do need to be to be challenged. I think the vast majority of people are in that position. And obviously, so I go around, you know, people's come over and say, yeah, you've been really harshly treated there, you know. So to be honest, I think the vast majority of people are in are in that uh, yeah. that position. Of course, sounds like your dog's criticizing you a little bit there. Uh, yeah, you, you, said something like wrong that? there. I don't know. Like that, like. Yeah, it was good. Yeah. It was good timing there from him. Um, yeah. So, so a few of the questions that we've had in in relation to, or we've had a few questions, sorry, in relation to the your correspondence with with the Premier League, which is obviously yeah. significant here. Um, you know, you're fortunate enough to to have some dialogue there. The Blues are yeah. obviously keen to to hear something about. Um, yeah. We briefly touched on this off air. So, do you want to talk about what you know, how that's how that's gone, and what you know what's come back that you think is interesting that you're willing to share? Well, I I, um, I, I haven't you know been uh, told that they they want to publish it. So I you know it's a difficult uh, difficult situation. That's fair enough. Um, that's good. That that's fair to mention by the way because there was some suggestion. Yeah, there was some suggestion that you've maybe been told. To or not to, and and that's well, what I, the case is that you're just trying to make sure that it's you know you're, you know, you're being respectful. I've written, and I, you know, I, it, it's not it's for the Premier League to put its positions into the public domain, isn't it? And I, you know, because obviously yeah. I don't want to do something that then people say, oh, you've breached the confidence, or you you've compromised, you know, yeah, yeah, compromised yeah. the process. I don't want to do that. Yeah. I, I, as I say, I have experience of regulation. I know there are legalities involved. I, you know, I, I. I uh, Try and do things properly uh, all the t- all the time. However, in response to the first letter received from the Premier League, they put some of that, some of that, not all of it, into the public domain. So, I, if you remember the second letter that I wrote, I quoted from parts of that uh, that Premier League letter, and the the key bit, and this is the bit let's to focus because I think it's really important to focus in in our situation. The key bit that came from that was the um, I said that. You know the, the the independent commission had talked about a policy that had been sent to them in the middle of the consideration by the Premier League, and I asked about, well, what is that policy? You know, and can we see it? And and the letter came back saying that the Premier League didn't have a policy on a sanctions regime for the profit and sustainability rules, um, and that was a position of the clubs, um, but instead it had sent a formula to the Premier League. So when I saw that word formula, I was just like, what? How can you have a formula and that not be a policy? To mm. me, they are... Or within, or within a policy? Yeah, because then I, I, then I wrote back to them in a second letter saying, well, what is this formula? Is it a formula just for Everton? And if it is, is can't, how can that be fair? And if it isn't, you know, what what is... The, the policy then in relation to you know to, to to the sanctions the sanctions regime and I asked the chair of the Premier League in that second letter to do two things to publish the minutes of a Premier League board meeting of August 2023 um I think around the time you and I were uh, yeah, watching yeah. the blues over an Estrella in, yeah. in Spain um uh and it's kind of relevant really isn't it you know a board meeting in August and and you rubber stamp a formula uh that then went in a submission to the premier league um i think a week or so later and you know that all of that has never been fully dis- fully discussed or disclosed i said to the chair of the premier league surely the minutes of the board meeting of i think it was the 10th or the 12th of august um should be published 
and then secondly the details of the the formula as submitted to the independent commission should be published and in the second letter that i sent you know the reply just just avoided both of those uh, questions mm. it didn't it didn't answer either of those questions uh, di directly and i consider that revealing that there's just no answer was offered uh, to those questions having had a long and detailed uh, reply from the premier league in, in the first instance so the 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 appeared to me to be a degree of selectiveness there you know in terms of um, what they would and what they wouldn't answer I, I just don't see why they can't answer that question you know what is this formula what is its status who agreed it um and what what are the the details of it as submitted well, the parameters the yeah the parameters yeah. of the formula it's yeah again bizarre um just just continuing on that i guess that thread um, from watching Richard Masters at the Select Committee, um, it's clear, and you've you pointed this out off air and, and touched on it here as well, that there's there's a process problem. Um, you know, aside from handing it over to the Commission um, in how they dealt with the, the particular issue, what was what was your reaction? And I guess your continued thoughts on on the, the responses, some of you know Richard Masters' responses in relation to Everton's situation. Well, as I said earlier, you know, I, I like to do things properly. Um, and I like to consider things um, in detail, and I've done that with the evidence given uh, last week. So I've read the transcript a few times, um, and I've thought about it uh, carefully. And my conclusion is that I believe he came close to misleading the committee, or some might argue that he actually did. Um, and I say that in relation to two things. Firstly, he said at one point that um, it was neither his nor the Premier League's policy and hadn't been at any point to try and stave off uh, an independent regulator for football. Or I think he said to kick it down the road or you know some, something like that. Um, now, I found that a very surprising statement knowing that the Premier League were lobbying politicians very strongly um, in the period when you know we were in theory in breach of things or we were in breach you know the, the period in question they were lobbying very heavily at that period and I know because I I experienced some of it firsthand so uh, that did not seem to me to be a fully accurate uh, statement and I think it's relevant in this discussion because I, I do think the way they've gone into this enforcing the profit and sustainability regime from nowhere without a, a transparent policy, without a transparent sanctions regime, is indeed linked to that kind of internal uh, fear of a, an independent regulator that I, I know existed in the Premier League in that, in that period. And I think their actions in a large... Uh, degree have been kind of uh, prompted by that, uh, that that attempt to try and you know either if not get rid of a regulator altogether to sort of significantly change what actually comes through in the government in the government legislation. So the the two issues are definitely linked. The second uh, thing I would say it was in answer to um, Rupert Hook MP uh, where she asked about the. Um, uh, the, the sanctions regime and it, I don't know if it helps Gary for me to try and just just call up please the, yeah. uh, the, the answer please, yeah. I know it's uh, 
Um, yeah, no, don't. By the way, I'm looking down myself, so I'm trying to make sure I I get me questions yeah. correct. Just my fact correct. So yeah. yeah, I don't mind you. Yeah, yeah, you're getting that for us. So Doctor Hook uh, said um, uh, the Everton criteria and how they have been deducted so many points is far from transparent. It is not in writing or anything. And the reply was on that particular issue of the Premier League's approach to sanctioning, whether it is on a breach of PSRs or other rules, we have an open sanctioning regime. It is an active decision to leave it to the independent panel to decide because it gives it maximum flexibility to decide in the circumstances. Having listened to all of the mitigating arguments made by the clubs and the Premier League to make its own and the Premier League to make its own decision. While that may not be clear, we believe it is fair. So now let me just you know, come back precisely to what is uh, said here. We have an open sanctioning regime. To be fair to uh, Richard Masters, I don't think he's saying open in the sense of transparent there, is he? I, yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I, I'm not going to claim that he, he's saying that. No. I think what he is saying is open as in we are not constraining um, the independent panel you know we, we it's open you know we're not we haven't prescribed a, an approach um uh and we leave it to them because we want this to be an independent process that is what i believe uh he is saying and then he goes on he says active decision to give the panel maximum flexibility um having listened to the arguments the arguments the mitigating arguments the arguments are about the substance of the case not yeah. about the details of the punishment yeah um, so to me that does not accurately describe the premier league's actions in august 2023 when there was a premier league board meeting that agreed to sign off a formula come back to that word formula yeah. and then send that formula to the independent commission in the uh chief executive's submission to that commission and it's actually important to read what the commission said on that formula. They, they, in a quite strong part of their ruling, said we are not accepting this. Uh, they call it a policy. We are not accepting this policy. It's why I use that word policy in my first letter to the Premier League. Because I was saying, well, what is this policy? <laughs> and he, they were saying that changes the basis on which you, the Premier League, have set us up if we mm -hmm. are to now accept this policy in the middle of the process. I called it an abusive process, if you remember, in my first letter. Yeah, yeah. They even sent this policy in. And they reacted really aggressively in the media to say why I was so wrong. And Well, I stand by it. I mm -hmm. absolutely stand by it. And the commission, in my view, is pretty much saying the same thing when you read their, their ruling. They're kind of saying we shouldn't have been sent this, is what they're saying. So, you know, I don't believe what, Richard Masters said to the um, uh, to the committee is is accurate. I, I believe it does get. I say I'm not going to. I'll reserve judgment as to which side of this I'm on. I, but I think it's a choice of he either got close to misleading the committee or he did mislead the committee um, because you know that is not what was done. He gave the distinct impression uh, when he spoke to the committee on Tuesday that they didn't they left it open they let the uh let, let the commission decide you know in what the punishment was or what the punishment was going to be that's and, and again my my basic interpretation of it and correct me if i'm wrong here andy please my basic interpretation of the punishment side of it as well is 
if it was going to be a point deduction, it would have to be a minimum of six. I still don't see where that's been um, corrected by anyone. So again, are they, are they not? Whether this is related to the formula or whether it's just a, you know the boundaries for punishment, that well, that's not completely open, is it? Well, I, I, I there's no flexibility there, is there? Or that there is, but there's flexibility to a certain degree. Well, exactly, um, and I think it's been pointed out that the, um, the 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 fine, sorry, the sanction that was handed down reflected what was in that formula that was sent. I mean, we've not seen that formula, so you can't say with yeah. certainty because they've not published it but it was a sort of minimum of six and then a, a an extra point added for every five million over the the the, the you know the the threshold um yeah. so that's where the 10 points uh, come from so just on that one just sorry just on that one andy and I'm sorry but uh, have i uh, interrupted something else you're going to say there no the 105 million uh, that's something that's, that's been um put forward or you know by fans as a, as a complaint or a mitigation if you like you know that that was 10 years ago, the 105 million, I think, was originally set as this limit. Surely inflation is a huge factor here. Now, whether you call it a mitigation when other clubs are in the, the same situation, would that be something that you would you would use or or you, you think it's maybe, you know, a, a, in, so, in some respect, it's something that all the clubs are, are straddled with? No I, well, I, no, I think it is relevant, you know, because I, I think it goes to the heart of the kind of whole kind of handling of this, doesn't it? You know, you bring in a regime, was it 2013-14 that they brought in? This? Yeah, it was 10 years ago, yeah. Yeah. Um, you don't really do much with it. Um, you know, you don't, certainly don't take the approach that's been taken uh, in the in the last uh, uh, couple of years. You sort of, you know, it's there, but it, you know, is it really being enforced um, uh, properly? Um, is it up to date? Are all the sanctions regimes in place around it? It's like it was there, but it wasn't really a left in a, a dusty filing cabinet. Well, let's, let's bring it out now and, and let's start. Well, start that's pushing. how it feels, isn't yeah. it? So you know, it wasn't updated. If it, you know, if it was an active regime when it came in, it would have said, right, we, you know, the policy is to update these thresholds every two years, and da -da, that. So that wasn't done. So I think it is relevant. Yeah, I think it, mm. it kind of paint, points to that broader critique that I'm making that you know, all of a sudden after the European Super League issue and the government's change of heart around a regulator and, you know, the, the big change of context in that period, all of a sudden, these rules, oh, right, okay, we're on. Um, but, but they hadn't got what people say their ducks in a row, had they? They hadn't lined no, up no. all the policies that should, should underpin a... Uh, sorry about the dog in the background. Oh, okay. They hadn't lined up all the policies to support... Hey... So as well, I was saying they they hadn't um, updated uh, the rules and the the thresholds, and I think that is what happened. You know, we had a kind of a loose regime that was introduced. Um, it wasn't particularly, um, you know, the, they weren't focusing on it uh, in uh, as an issue, but then all of a sudden the world changes, and uh, the Premier League start to. Um, become worried about the threat of an independent regulator and I, I absolutely believe that is what changed that that dog's trying to get on the camera now that is that That's is what it, now. what's He's changed part of the show to be fair <laughs> <laughs> he could probably sit on that committee himself <laughs> <laughs> go on sorry <laughs> so no, that's no, that's where yeah. we are you know and um I, I I don't see how um 
we can go any further here without that formula being published. And what I'm uh, considering is whether, um, I, I've not discussed this with him yet, but I will do, whether Steve or Steve and I can write to the committee um, to express our concerns about whether or not the committee, um, as I say, has not been given the full picture that it should have been that it should have been given, and actually whether it was actually given accurate information. Um, I I do believe um, the statement that they've got an open uh, an open approach um, needs to be challenged. I, I do believe we need clarity on the status of the formula that was sent to the first independent commission. Is that same formula going to be sent to the second uh, process? Is it going to be sent in respect of forest? Um, we need to know uh, the answer to these questions. Um, and I'm afraid, you know, the impression given to the committee on Tuesday was was not uh, at all, in my view, what the Premier League has actually done in the case of in the case of Everton. So um, that I think is where it where it is this this weekend, and it just gets more concerning to me. I think the the handling of this is 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 uh, breaking sort of every rule in the regulator's handbook. You know, as I say, I've got long experience of regulation. Um, so these aren't off the top of my head comments. You know, this does not follow uh, the principles of good regulation at all. Um, and the Premier League's got to decide how much further does it go down this path without correcting some of these very first order fundamental failures in, in my view. The first thing it should do is publish the formula publish the Everton formula and tell us about the status of it. Now they will say, oh, well, we may be changing it in the summer of this year. Well, if that is the case, it it still leaves open the question as whether it is to be used this year. Whether it's fit for purpose, yeah. yeah. Whether it's fit for purpose, but also is it now being used in this second mm. process against Everton and Forest? Yeah. And, and also just it begs the question of is it fit for purpose, as you say, in terms of is it a proportionate formula for for these you know these breaches you know 20 million pounds over a limit is more than a club going into administration and actually what is interesting and i think the um um uh fans advisory board have become really active and i think they've you just come on to that now yeah, yeah. submission in and, and credit to them for the way that they're, they're going about things R really i think it's uh impressive to see them sort of uh, really come to the fore um, as they have. They've, I think, drawn the parallel with the Tevez situation, um, where yeah, an independent commission said really directly that you know there was a relegation battle and really this sanction, the fans didn't do it, the player didn't really know about it. It shouldn't, shouldn't um, you know, be them who, who suffer. Therefore, we're looking more towards non-sporting sanction, you know, uh, routes to deal with this, you know. Why that doesn't set any type of precedent, I don't know. And if you look mm. in the government's white paper when it comes to uh, the principles on which a new regulator will be based, it is around the fans shouldn't be the ones who suffer from regulation. And, and regulation should be about, you know, as far as possible, mitigating that impact. To reach straight to a sporting sanction and the heaviest ever in the history of top flight football, something clearly is wrong there, isn't it? Something is wrong and the, the only thing you can kind of conclude is 
it was Everton were a convenient scapegoat for the Premier League. A Premier League that was worried about the threat of an independent regulator uh, all of a sudden had to do something. Okay, right. Who's 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 the easiest target? It's Everton Football Club. And again, whether whether you um, whether whether it's Everton or it's Forest, I, th- I think going back to your very first point, which was extremely significant, we were the first ones almost to go. Hold on, you know we've done something wrong here. We believe we're in the wrong. We've come forward with the evidence to suggest why we've you know we we breached you know um, PSR if you like, and and as you say, it almost created that easy target. That's how it's go. Okay, bang, we we can show our our muscle if you like, our ability to to regulate w- without without interference and and yeah that that was the initial you know my initial um feeling towards it all well absolutely and you know it, it, it this kind of process then the way they're handling it's why the handling needs to be challenged at this point and everybody should um support what we're doing in in challenging it because if they're saying that there's no mitigation for a club saying look we're in a bit of a difficult situation here here mm-hmm. are the books um in fact, I heard it said at the committee last on Tuesday that they want to get to a more real-time thing when they're sort of working with clubs to, you know... You're not going to get there, are you? If this is the message it gives to other clubs. Completely. So there's two you're problems with that, the isn't you, you, You're setting a sort of... Mm. The way they've treated Everton means that people won't be forthcoming uh, with mm. with information because clearly there's no benefit to you in doing that. That's, that's mistake number one in terms of creating a, the right regime uh, going forward. Mistake number two is handing out the uh, heaviest ever penalty in the history of top flight English football for a twenty uh, million pound breach, um, which, as we all know now, is is a fraction of of the cost of a of a decent Premier League uh, player. Yeah, you know, it's yeah, not even the full. I think Pat Nevin said it's the left leg of a, of a decent <laughs> Premier League player. Um, that's the problem, isn't it? Because if that is yeah. set now as the bar well, where do you actually go from here you know what does the game become then in terms of mm. the kind of the decisions that could be made you know the the kind of the, the kind of way that might skew the game in terms of you know uh points deductions becoming sort of a regular a regular thing and it's just it says something here doesn't it about where is act where is football going actually decision making in football appears to me to be shot to pieces on and off the pitch where you've got VAR destroying things in the mm. moment and then you've got this. You know, it's, we've got to a point here where you can't celebrate a goal um, because you just think, well, what's what's coming here? So you've got that and then you've also then got the thing that you won't be able to celebrate the end of a season because the process that we're in now, the appeals will conclude after the end of the Premier League season. But what What's this doing to football? You know, you, you, you no. might... Stay up on the last day, but you didn't stay up on the last day because some independent, unknown people in a room somewhere are going to say whether you've stayed up or, or whether you've not. You know, I think Dave Kelly from the Fans Advisory Board has made the point. You know, it's like transfer deadline uh, windows now are about um, deadline days, about you know who's got what QC and uh, KC, I should say. You know, and, and yeah, it's that's where the game is going. That's what uh, those. Uh, custodians of it at, at the kind of at the Premier League level are, are doing to it at the moment, and it's definitely everybody's fight. This is not just Everton's fight. No, I, I couldn't agree more, Andy. And, and, and 
this this brings us towards the close, and I'm, I'm glad you mentioned the fan advisory board. So I'm going to bring them in now. That they've been terrific, Dave Kelly again they in have. particular, good friends of the show, and he, and he's been a you know a you know superb ambassador for the club in, in such a difficult time. Um, obviously, it's not only been yourself. You've mentioned Steve, Steve Rotherham, uh, Ian Byrne as well as has been involved. A, a number of influential supporters, you know, people um, associated with world politics, finance, um, you know, members of the of, of the of House of Parliament, etc. So, a lot of people are suggesting or asking the question, you know, why aren't the club coming out and, and, and lobbying? It's important to note that, aside from Colin Chung's, you know, initial statement, which was made condemning the, the punishments. Uh, of the you know from the that was laid down by by the Premier League uh, via the committee, um, the the club have, have not been able to really voice their opinion or their stance on this. Obviously, to not um, to to not impact on on the on the process itself. Do you have a little bit of sympathy? And and I guess is that partly fueling your 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 um, your voice and 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 your community your communication because the club can't actually speak out. Do you have sympathy for the club in that sense? I do. I'll come on to that, Gary. But if I could first come back to what you said originally um, about the Everton Fan Advisory Board, um, I think they do deserve great credit and they deserve our support uh, going forward. I think they have um, started to unify what has always been quite a fractured Everton supporter base. You know, I, I, through my life, I've kind of always kind of it's never had the sort of unity sometimes as, no. as we've seen at other clubs. So it's it's now coming through and. Uh, the fan advisory board, I think, have played a, a big role in that, and Dave certainly has, and you know, really deserves our our credit. But credit to Julie, who represented us in Parliament. You know that 100%. is important. You know, I just think this is this is really um, uh, what this club needs right now, isn't it? It, it? Showing people how much it cares, and I think Julie being there showed that, didn't it, to to the nation? That this is a club that we care massively about and you know we will never just accept it being treated in the way that it's being treated at, at this moment in time ian Byrne, again thanks ian for for speaking out and i want to you know he's my, my good and close friend but the fact if i say to steve rotherham would you you know will you give up your sunday morning and come down and help us out and he does you know mm. and steve was there at the meeting that the fan advisory board held held last week he's spoken out immediately and has done so repeatedly and and i think steve deserves uh deserves credit for that uh and everybody else actually i think you know the way in which you know the podcasts uh, are all uh playing their part i i think it's it's impressive and you know i think there's a togetherness around everton that obviously you know we've not had in a long time and long may that be uh be, be the case but to come on to the position that the club is in i think it is for the reason that you gave important that we're all doing that this because it's hard for them to do it. They're in, you know, a legal fight on now two fronts, aren't they? Um, as well as still completing a stadium. You know, this is a really difficult time for for those involved with the running of the club. It's difficult for Sean. It's difficult for the players, and I think it's our job to insulate them as much as we possibly can from what's going on. Let's just be be blunt about it. I don't think the criticism that where's the club and where's the club out there fighting it is fair actually because when you're in a legal process you know that things said and everyone says stray words and sure i've done it in this interview you know you say things and was it perfectly worded and well that can count against you in a legal in a legal process mm. you know, people can use that and again they could use that to the detriment of the club in our position so i think mm. the the club's 
um, position has got to be to make the right arguments in the right way in the two processes now in which they're engaged and that their full focus should be on that. And as, as I understand it, their full focus is on that. That, I think, is their their responsibility at the moment. The best um, use of their time, yeah. Definitely. And I just think we just need to, you know, I think as we go forward from here, it's just really important, isn't it, to sort of, you know, we are all thinking about everything, aren't we? And there's, you know, who's do, doing the right? And, you know, I think let's focus, focus on the issues, you know, focus criticism where it needs to be focused and, um, and, and you know, keep, keep doing what we're doing. Because I think, I personally think we're, we are winning the argument. What we're saying, I think, is supported by a lot of people. And I just will touch on, I think you were alluding to it, a letter that was sent on on Sunday morning, actually, to coincide with the, the Fan Advisory Board uh, meeting that was held. I, I don't think this got the media coverage that it should have done, going back to the no. point that I made earlier about our whole situation, in my view, not getting, getting fair or appropriate uh, levels of coverage. Um, a letter sent to the Premier League, basically, basically echoing lots of the things that I've said on here today, but the arguments that other people have, have put forward as well. From Dame Sue Owen, who 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 is Sue? Well, she's a former former permanent secretary at the Department for Culture, Media and Sport, a very senior civil servant who had responsibility for the issues that we're talking about on here. Uh, Gary, you know, somebody who needs to be listened to, yeah. as is. Uh, Sir Brendan Barber, who has um, obviously long experience in the trade union movement, but now is chair of ACAS. So Brendan well, mediates in in disputes. Um, yeah, yeah, on a, on a daily basis. Extremely experienced in these in these matters. But then the third name, Mark Carney, former governor of the Bank of England. You know, if Mark is making a criticism of a regulatory regime. Uh, and particularly a criticism of a lack of transparency, he he needs to be listened to. I I, I would suggest, mm. and you know I don't. Well, it got some coverage, but I I think it was a more significant intervention than than, than people have have realised. And hence, I would say that the voices are both in their number, but in their uh, levels of influence are, yeah. are getting bigger bigger and bigger the Premier League clearly hasn't got this hasn't got this right and I think the chat the issue is you know just now saying it's trapped in these two processes and that's it well I just don't think we can accept that as Evertonians we have to challenge the way this has been done the lack of transparency the lack of a published uh, sanctions framework uh, the lack of clarity as to whether that formula now applies to Forest as well as to us uh, again the lack of a policy on a, a double jeopardy situation it, all of this, uh, Gary, has to be challenged. It has to be challenged directly. Um, and I think uh, that um, there's a growing number of football supporters now who say, yeah, OK, we can see why. We can see how they feel as they as they, they do. It's important to say before we finish, isn't it, that, again, for the avoidance of any doubt, nobody is saying that um, you know, Everton Football Club are blameless. Nobody is saying that sense. things were perfectly done in that period. That we're not. No one has, has ever said that, have we? No. Um, but what we are saying is, uh, things should be done in the right way, in a fair way, in a transparent way. And can anybody say at this point in, in the progress of this issue that that is where we are? And I, I honestly don't believe that, that anybody can. No. 
thank you so much, Andy, and some further encouragement for yourself and, and Steve, obviously, in your your whether you consider writing to the committee as the, the yes. final advisory board of have have now had their their witness statements um passed over to the to the um to the committee via the Premier League. So the yes. Premier League have confirmed that the fan about fan advisory board's uh, statements itself will be passed on. And and again, I guess my if you like plea as much as it's worth is that anyone who, who is in a in a position that that has got you know a, an, an ability to communicate communicate well enough and has got significant points should try to do so and try to pass them on because you know the more mitigation from various different contexts and as you say positions of influence the better absolutely gary so just to you know to conclude i mean i i will discuss this with steve and we'll discuss our next steps but i don't believe the um exchange that we saw at the committee uh on tuesday can just rest there uh, i i, I yeah. don't consider that uh to be um uh if you like something that can be left unchallenged you know as I say, in my view, um, the chief executive got close to misleading the committee, or, or you could say even did. It, is, it was, in my view, it was not an accurate description of what of what has happened to us. The idea that it was an open regime, um, well, what's the formula then if it's an open an open regime, and what's its status? I do think that position needs to be um, needs to be challenged, um, and more broadly, um, I think it needs to be challenged because the football governance bill is arriving in Parliament, um, we're told, uh, next month. So, you know, these issues become very live and it's not entirely in the Premier League's control anymore because Parliament is intervening and they're taking some of this out of their hands. Um, you know, that bill will have a second reading soon. And if you're going to fully inform parliamentarians when they consider that bill, things like the policy that's been applied to Everton and the that's policy enough. intention for the use of that formula, whether or not they will or won't use it in respect of Everton again and Forest uh, this year, um, that those are matters now of, of public interest and public debate. And you know, I would say to any uh, you know anybody who's uh, watching this podcast or listening uh, to it um, that you should write to your member of parliament uh, and call for the minutes of that premier. You know, call on your member of parliament as part of the forthcoming debate on the football governance bill to get Parliament to call or the committee to call on the Premier League to publish the minutes of its board meeting of early August 2023, to publish details of the sanction regime, um, uh, that, or the sorry, I should say the formula uh, that was sent to the Independent Commission. And then thirdly, get clarity on the question as to whether or not, well, what the status of that formula is and whether it will be applied again in respect or, or submitted to the new commission that will hear um the, the the case against everton and forest uh for, for the latest the latest charge those questions need to be answered um and, it, and the parliament can't debate this in the dark premier league seems to think everything can be done in the dark well it can't not when a bill is landing not when a bill is landing in parliament so in some ways they're losing control of this situation they've they've, they've held all the cards up until this point but but they're not going to anymore and that's why evertonians you know do need to stick together here we do need to keep working together patiently respectfully get our points over and um our points have got increasing i would say influence and weight and people can see that uh, and credit to everybody who's done this everybody's poured over these judgments everybody's helped each other understand them i think we are 
coming to a really clear understanding of how unfair this situation is. So, you know, credit to everybody listening, everybody who's been involved, stick together. Onwards, Evertonians, and, you know, this club will, will come through this. Andy, thank you so much um, for your time, for your, for your passionate and knowledge, uh, knowledgeable uh, input this morning. Again, I, I'll I'll listen again this afternoon and and, and pour it over, uh, over myself. But more than anything else, uh, I appreciate your ongoing support for, for the club and uh, not just yourself, as you said, credit the work of everyone else who's, who is contributing to this. But on behalf of the podcast, on behalf of all Evertonians, Thank you. Um, as we always say at the end of every episode, regardless of, of the content, up the toffees. You kept it and, clean um, there. <laughs> we, yeah, I, I didn't put the middle one the in. Clean yet. version. <laughs> yeah, the clean version. Yeah, yeah we got a weekend. We got a weekend where we can we can relax a little, can't we? And uh, yeah, you know, on the got, field. Yeah. And next weekend we can enjoy a, a, a cup weekend, can't we? So uh, yeah, great to okay. see see the club go through. So yeah, all the best, everybody. And um, yeah, I think. To be honest, we're really, I think anyway, we're really starting to sort of uh, make headway here, aren't we? So let's keep keep at it. And uh, well done to you, Gary. Thanks for having me on. Top, man. Thanks, Andy. Take care. I'll see you soon. Cheers, mate. And you.